It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 56 of Roll Up and Die. Uh, I'm sure that Barker had a banter topic picked out. Oh yeah, he's our banter guy. What are we gonna do? He's our banter guy. Oh man, Tim and James, um, what do you guys? What do you guys want to open the episode with? I was thinking about this. It's a little meta. I did this last time. <laughs> Cut me off if you think it shouldn't. I'm sort of coming around on banter. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the sequel to the, the conversation sequel. that you guys had last time you were on. Yes. So <laughs> okay. Here, here's here's the thing. As you know, as tabletop terrors, I feel like we've just kind of become ourselves. Yeah. Our and, videos yeah, is just yeah. us talking. To be clearer, we've always been ourselves. No. And despite <clears throat> the fact that we said, listen, our channel will be really cool because, like, we'll be ourselves. We were not ourselves. <laughs> like, all the stuff we tried to do, all the cool <clears throat> intros and music, and, and it was like, we, we, we skipped over the one thing that we said we would do absolutely for hmm. uh, way too long, so... Now banter is a right. deal. So we we actually do it in between a lot of our stuff. If you've noticed, we, you know, I think it really came to life. We did the RPG a day videos. Oh man, and that's where I feel like we really let go, and we're like, we're filming <laughs> oh, yeah. seven videos in a day. I'm gonna make some <laughs> stupid Wishmaster jokes. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> it was. We were so giggly in those videos. It was ridiculous. Oh man, I know there were a few a few of them near the middle that just got me because you guys were just cracking up the entire time, and you would go on these like three minute tangents. So, but. I have to say that uh, I've really been enjoying your videos lately, yeah. and obviously other people have too, because something really exciting today happened for Tabletop Terrors. Do you guys want to talk about that? Ooh, nice. I, you know, I will talk about that. Uh, Matt, you're the one who actually shared it to our Facebook chat, or I think I might have missed it until I got home. Um, this is a pretty big deal for us. We were featured in a Geek and Sundry article today. Yeah. Awesome. It was very awesome. surprising. Um I only I only saw it briefly. What was the article about? Uh, so it was about uh, beginning and learning to play D anD. d Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah. So this uh, this guy, um, oh, I forget his name already. Steve Mormont, maybe. Hopefully, he's not listening. We'll never <laughs> was, be on. It was we'll Jor- It was Jora Mormont. Sir Jora Mormont. Well, he was I like, was just gonna say <laughs> Khaleesi. <laughs> I think in order to close. play D anD. d Khaleesi, the Westerosi he's- followed tabletop terrors. <laughs> He's del- he's deleting your video right now. Yeah, <laughs> he's Fuck deleting them. your video Not right now from the article. Get he logged into YouTube. Um, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So yeah, so we were featured on there, and there were three separate videos. And uh, this guy basically talks about, hey, here are three really good videos to kind of get you started if you have if you've never played RPGs and you know you want to learn. Here are some pretty good videos, you know, to, to learn D and D the easy way. Yeah, his name is Jim Moreno. I couldn't have been further off. You were you were so far away that I don't know where that name came from. I think James is very famous uh, in my world, anyway. In Absolutely. my head, canon, James is famous for making up names. He called who did you call Getty Lee? Oh man, I instead don't remember of Gary that one. Gygax or something, he's like no, uh, no. Getty <laughs> Lee. I don't think it was a woman, and it didn't start with a G. That was just the name that came to me. I could find it, but Ian Christensen commented. He goes, "Oh man, James Getty Lee is the bass player for the immortal rock band Rush." And that's the important thing is I knew exactly who Getty Lee was, but there's a thing that happens. 
where like my brain uh, is just like uh uh we're we're stalling we're stalling just take this one take this one pick a name now. any name like, it doesn't matter Getty Lee yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll fix it later yeah and that's kind of part of the fun of banter though we're just we <laughs> yeah. go with it now we're just like you know what this is part of the fun this is how people talk it's not about manufacturing a moment where every fact is perfect it's about just talking like you're sitting around the table for real you know yeah yeah because that's right the thing that i absolutely cannot do um and tim's not the best at it but something that i can't do is go off of a script not that we've ever tried to script our videos but even like bullet points mm. my brain will try to yeah. read exactly what it is it's the and worst then guys. it's <laughs> like i want to oh, set God. it up and do it on purpose yeah. as a thought experiment but Anyway, we were on Geek and Sundry today, which is a huge deal for us, and it was you know very kind words about the video, and so yeah, you can check it out. We actually uh, posted it on our Facebook page, and I'm going to go ahead and make sure that there's a proper blog post about it tomorrow. So thanks for mentioning that, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it was it was cool too because in the article, uh, the guy uh, Steve Jim was talking about how uh, that you guys were really relatable and funny and that the video was sort of really like accessible to somebody who's never mm. come to the hobby before. Because yeah. in the video, you guys really just kind of break it down to it, we're not going to talk about mechanics. We're not going to talk about systems. We're going to talk about what is role playing. Yeah. And basically mm-hmm. being like, we've all you've all role played before. We have all role played in our lives. And D&D is just including some 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 rules and some chance yeah. within that you know sort of idea thank you appreciate that yeah, absolutely man um so i i'm a big fan of banter i actually look forward to the banter every time because i'm like what are we going to talk about this time because it's one of those things where you know barker and alex and i don't talk a ton in between episodes yeah. so we always kind of like to catch up with each other and what ends up happening most of the time is that we end up talking about the weather because we all live in different areas of the country and Barker's usually like, yeah, it's really hot. And Alex is like, yeah, you know, it's, I'm inside of an igloo right now. And I'm like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm underwater. So we always end up talking about weather. I just climbed out of a tauntaun, you know. (laughs) Yeah, just hopping on. Now, if you want to talk about weather, as we record this here in the central Florida area, we are under tornado watch. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so there's a there's a hurricane that is working its way yeah. up the it's the western coast. So it shouldn't hit us. Mm-hmm. Of Florida. Of course. Oh, Florida, sorry. Sorry, we're I in was like, yes. wait, do I need to be running? No, no, the western coast of Florida. So I'm the only one on the west coast. And so uh yeah, it'll be interesting. We had a freaking tornado like uh uh a mile, a mile and a half from this from our house, and, and we're in, and we're in northern Maine, so I mean, we we shouldn't be getting those up here. I mean, how far north do I have to go to avoid tornadoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Where do I gotta go to get away from the tornadoes, man? Dude, that's crazy. Gotta go well, live and, you know, in the North Pole. Now, to be fair, it was it was probably only like an F zero, not not nothing to write home about compared to you know people who live in the in Tornado Alley. But when you live in a yurt. Zero is is nothing to. You're like if this tornado steps into our front yard, we're gone. Like we got, we cannot be here for this. That's crazy. And and I got to tell you the honest truth. I don't know enough about tornadoes, so probably like Matt and James, when you said F Zero, I immediately thought of a Super Nintendo game. I thought of F Zero X. (laughs) Well, okay. So the only reason I know about the F, and I may be wrong, I may be making this up, but don't use the F, James. The only reason I know about that scale is the movie Twister, because as Twister, far as yeah, I know, yeah. oh yeah, that, that's that's was an F five. I also know that you can survive a Twister if you take off your like J.C. Penny men's belt and wrap it around a bar <laughs> and hang on to it for dear life. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's not so much that. Crazy. What you really have to worry about is flying debris. Because when in a tornado, you, you have, you know, uh, chunks of wood and metal and rocks and stuff flying around at hundreds of miles per hour. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's going to shred you like a, like a, like a food processor uh, if you're not protected somehow. Yeah, we, no, we, that's 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 the truth, man. I was gonna say after every hurricane that's severe that hits here, you always see pictures on social media of like playing cards stuck in telephone poles and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, oh and it's, you're just it's like, insane. What? Yeah. It's just insane how physics works like that. Well, speaking of weird weather, though, have you seen the, there's like two two news reports recently about herds of animals being killed by lightning. Yes! There was, there was, there was the reindeer. What? Uh, what, what country was that in? Uh, was it Norway, I think? I think it was in Norway that the reindeer yeah. got killed. It was yeah, like hundreds a of whole them. Herd of, yeah, a whole herd of, Nor- of reindeer killed by a lightning strike. And then in, in the U.S., there was a herd of, of cows that was that was struck down. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, like, I think it's because the... Is this new? It was the, the ground was wet, and so when the lightning hit, it just electrocuted yeah. all of them that were standing in this yeah. area because yeah. the ground was so wet. It was the aliens landed and yeah, they, they thought they thought they were cool but they had to make sure that they uh killed all the all the uh witnesses not realizing <laughs> that they were the lesser beings of the planet and probably couldn't tell us they what about like, the you know un what? black helicopters james <laughs> let's just be safe uh you know a tornado though you were talking about it alex this is a, i'm gonna uh here here comes the segue Prepare right. yourselves. Go for it. I was going to drop this one a while back, but the moment <laughs> passed, and I'm sitting here like, dang it, Matt, you had the perfect opportunity for the segue. When when Alex was talking about the tornado, shredding people up, I was like, it would be, you would be, uh, what was I going to say? I was like, you were going to be ground up to a pulp. Oh. To a pulp. And it would be Good one. quite the adventure. <laughs> that would have been a good segue. Uh, it would have been. It would have But been. it wasn't. Not oh well. Let me. I'm going to steal a line from you, Matt. And I. Yeah. This is a popular line, but you say it a lot. Not a segue, but an incredible simulation. But an incredible simulation. <laughs> exactly. No. Uh, we are talking about pulp tonight. We're talking about pulp right. adventures. We're talking about uh, larger than life heroes, exotic locations, uh, mysterious villains with grand uh, schemes. We're talking about pulp. I love pulp adventures. I sort of grew up watching and reading pulp and playing pulp RPGs. And we're joined tonight by none other than the Brothers Carney of Tabletop Terrors, Tim and James. Why don't you go ahead and say hi, guys? What's up, everybody? I'm Tim. And I'm James. And I forgot to do the normal intro, so here we go. <clears throat> let's let's scoot back and pretend right. like we're there again. In a word. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roll Up and Die. I'm not Barker. I am Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And again, we are joined by Tabletop Terrors, uh, Tim and James Carney. They are here to talk about pulp adventures. I'm actually going to toss it to them first because I think Tim especially kind of fancies himself a pulp aficionado, if you will, a pulp connoisseur. So, Tim... This is a question I think we're all going to answer at some point in this episode, but what is pulp? Explain what pulp means to you, to the listeners of Roll Up and Die. Real quick, can I jump in? Because, no. Because you know because, why? Because this is how we do it. When Tim's time, it's time, that's how Tabletop Terrors works. It's Timmy time. Because if you said, videos. if you asked me a question, Tim would be like, hey, but one second, yeah, can I? It's yeah, exactly. Not true. Yeah. Now, <laughs> that's, people, what I, that's what I was anticipating. And people call it chemistry. so i just wanted to interject real quick to say that uh i sort of count myself more or less the opposite 
of Tim in that respect. I feel like I know what pulp is, and I'm pulp adjacent, but it's been one of those words that people use <laughs> <laughs> that people use that I've never really been like, oh, okay. Um, so I feel like this will be enlightening, and I don't. That's not to say that like I mean we'll go into it. So I'm like, well, I have an idea, but I'm not like, oh, you want to talk pulp? Well, let's talk the pulp subspecies of this and this, and you know the hierarchy. I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> I, I think that I think you're absolutely right, James. I think that pulp is a word that's like metal. People throw it okay. around all the time, and it means different things to different people. Like you can call one band metal, and everyone else yep. would be like, no, that's not metal. Exactly. Pulp, I think, is the same way. So I yep. think having somebody on the show who doesn't necessarily consider themselves to be big into pulp, if the, at pulp adjacent, as you said, will be <laughs> will be good and add to the dialogue. So, I mean, Indeed. let's talk. What is pulp? What does pulp mean to us? Uh, so Tim, now. Tim, now it's your turn. Now it's Timmy time. <laughs> sure, now it's Timmy time. So to me, pulp is fantastical escapist fiction with larger-than-life heroes who are markedly not superheroes. Yeah. So to me, pulp, that defining line, is it is a stronger-than-average Joe, someone who is larger than life but not necessarily super-powered, thrown into exotic locales, Mm. crazy death schemes, uh, you know, things of that nature. So to me, that's how I would define it if I was going to sit somebody down and say, this is the soul of pulp i think that is what i would hit with it okay yeah so what what is like an example of uh like a recent pulp example of like a movie or a book that has come out so to me the most well-known one in recent memory would probably be the mummy trilogy Mm, yeah Mm, yeah Um, definitely okay and here's the thing i love them because they're pulp but I don't think that they hold up exactly what I would think. They're not quite gritty enough for me. And yeah. they, they don't have to be hard-boiled every time. But they they almost are a little too much of a smile and a wink for yeah. my tastes. So if I, if I wanted to show somebody, hey, here to me is just t- check this out. This is what I mean. I would probably have them watch uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, for me, the two biggest biggest examples of my childhood are probably Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones and a little movie called The Rocketeer, which is one of my (laughs) very favorite movies of all time. And I think that is like a really great example of pulp because everyone knows that like, okay, Indiana Jones is pulp, right? He's like classic pulp. Yeah. But The Rocketeer is like, this has a lot of those elements Mm -hmm. too, where like you said, Tim, it's a, it's an average guy who's like a little bit better than an average guy and like finds himself in this just ridiculous situation and has to sort of uh, fight his way Mm -hmm. out of it. Uh, And in this case, he has a jetpack, which is also pretty pulpy. (laughs) Super cool. And a wicked awesome helmet. Oh man. Yeah. That helmet design is just iconic. I would I would kill someone that I knew fairly well in order to get a Rocketeer <laughs> helmet that I could wear. Good to know. That is very good to know. Alex is like, okay, taking note of that. <laughs> not, yeah, uh, what not my favorite? Get one of those. I, I, I consider it pulp anyway. Was uh, uh, a movie called Desperado with oh, uh, yeah. uh, Antonio Banderas. Yes, and uh, it, because he that is definitely over the top. Um, uh, you know kind of an anti-hero in, in a lot of ways. One of my favorites. 
Dude, yeah, yeah Desperado is great. That. He, that's that's the one where he has the gun guitar, right? That's right. He has yes. his guitar case full of guns. Yeah, he has these. It is two partners, and I mean, I have to admit, I have a soft spot anyway because to me, he's like uh, you know what a bard should be. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, yes. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, he has he has these two companions that he's able to, that he calls, and one of them has a machine gun in his uh, in his guitar case. The other one has a rocket launcher. And that's it's just, right. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's great stuff. Absolutely, and and everyone dies. In a way that is just awesome, just you know. Whether pulp. whether he kicks them into the air with his feet and he shoots them while they're in midair as they fly and land <laughs> on the other side of the room, yes. it, it's like you, you you can't beat that. Absolutely. Yeah, so modern pulp. there's an example that I want to bring up because I'm sad that it wasn't more popular. But there was a game that released called Dark Void. Have you guys heard of this? Yes. Game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dark Void was basically unlicensed <laughs> Rocketeer. It had some of the most fun gameplay because you have a jetpack, yes. you fly around, you mm-hmm. shoot guys. It's a little futuristic, but it, you could tell somebody loved the Rocketeer. Um, yep. But then you can also land and like shoot people. Like it was the Rocketeer if the Rocketeer had a really good video game on the Xbox. That's <laughs> true. Wasn't wasn't Dark Void <laughs> the one that had aliens in it as well? Yes, Dark Void yeah, had aliens. Yeah, that's super pulpy too, man. That's what I mean. Like, I was having like, the aliens thrown in there? Yeah, really good. The game, the the number one failing I think it had is it got repetitive. So the demo was like enough right. for me. But I still. remember playing that demo and just thinking it, it was mind blowing how good the mechan- the 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 gameplay mechanics of the jetpack were. That's the main thing. Is it felt like or seemed to feel like a rocketeer jetpack? It wasn't press A to fly. It was like no, yeah. when you, like jumped off. You kind of spun out a little bit. You know, it went a little too fast. And when you landed, you like stutter step. It was just so cool. The coolest <laughs> yeah. jetpack in a game that I can think of. Uh, there's also a movie that was fairly recent, like, I don't know, less than 15 years old, that was called Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow. Yes. Um, yeah. Which I kind of want to talk about briefly because I know that that was one that Barker was going to bring up. And I think mm-hmm. that that is like pulp turned up to 12. Like, it's Absolutely. just ridiculous pulp <laughs> where it's like, it's it, it, it makes the... It sort of cranks everything up, and it even looks like an old, like mm, an old pulp, yeah. like comic book or paperback. Yeah, um, where it's you know it's black and white, and everything is very like Art Deco, and you know there's mm-hmm. crazy robots and stuff like that. I I <laughs> love Sky Captain. I think that's a great example. Yeah, I, I feel what like that what? that movie was like they they didn't turn the volume up; they turned the gain up. Yeah, it was yeah. like <laughs> exactly like it was yeah. clipping. Yeah, it was exactly. clipping in pulp. <laughs> exactly, just like but sort of in a good way. You know how like a little too much gain is like oh well sometimes well, that's it, a good. It style. had good harmonics. It created like some sick distortion. Exactly, it's that kind of thing where you're like, <laughs> yeah. there's almost a little too much pulp here, but it's yeah. worked. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and that that kind of brings up okay. So you were talking about the different versions, like the different kind of pulp, right? To me, that's like sci-fi pulp right so that's like and i love what you said that art deco but Mm. i'm gonna i'm gonna dip back i'm gonna go to something that doesn't necessarily seem like it might be pulp but to me it's like to me quintessential pulp and i'm gonna talk about a a gentleman by the name of edgar rice burroughs yes Mm -hmm. i'm gonna talk about a gentleman by the name of robert e howard yes yeah um edgar rice burroughs wrote John Carter, Warlord of Mars, and uh, several other fantastic works. Mm. And then Robert E. Howard is the author of Conan. And while those don't necessarily have that same description of what I said in the modern, like, 1920s, 30s kind of thing, to me, 
that is like my favorite kind of pulp. What do you think about yeah. that, Matt? I I would agree with you, and it's it's hard for me to describe why things like John Carter of Mars and Tarzan and Conan and even things like Solomon Kane, like mm-hmm. why those are pulp to me, but they yeah. are. They are. I think it's like it's just all of those are like you were saying, Tim. They're better than average people that aren't superheroes, but who just who sort of stumble into bad situations and have to get their way out of it. That that to me is like a big thing in pulp. Like if you yeah. if you watch the Indiana Jones movies, like most of the Indiana Jones movies is Indy kind of stumbling from <laughs> obstacle to obstacle, just kind of barely making it out, getting yeah. shot up, getting beat up. I think that that is a big thing in John Carter of Mars and Conan yeah. and all of this stuff like that. Well, yeah, Indiana Jones is always getting his ass kicked. I mean, yeah, it, and it kind, of, it kind of it kind of makes me wonder now that I think I'm kind of thinking this off off, off the cuff, but you know, our, our most '80s action movies really pulp. You know, if you look at like, um, uh, like Die Hard, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, again, a very similar kind of theme where he's just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he he gets he gets beat all to hell, and and you yeah, know, he, he's very over the top hero. Yeah, he's just and he's just sort of like an average cop that just yeah. happens to be in this extraordinary situation. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. That definitely has elements of pulp to it, <laughs> yeah. I would I would argue. And I feel like something that is important to pulp, something that the way I would describe it is there's a level of realism. The the reason yes. I would say Conan is pulp is because one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of uh, a Conan novel I read was when he his metal armor gets stuck to this pillar. And he describes it as magic, but sort of the way the book describes it, you realize it's just a magnet. And it right. was like, yeah. it was just that sort of like, like I said, that I, almost realism where it's not like, mm-hmm. yeah, Conan shows, I mean, Conan does show up and kill everyone, but it's the kind of thing as where. As well he should. But it's just like, <laughs> it's a little real, you know, it's like he yeah. still, he talks about when he goes to sleep Low and magic, when he baby. eats. And yeah, exactly. I mean, the the low magic it definitely helps, but it's never like nothing can kill me. It's always like, yeah. listen, I'm a badass. But yeah, yeah it's what it what's it's what kind of separates Conan from a hero like Elric, right? Because Elric yes. is very like he can do magic. He has a magic sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that is less pulpy than something like Conan because it is sort of grounded in realism. It's a little. I think you used this word earlier, Tim, but it's a little gritty. It's yeah. got a little grit to it, and I think yeah. that. Uh, you know, any good pulp should have a little bit of grit in its teeth. Well, like in Sky Captain, one of the things I love, and it's a tiny detail, he is an amazing pilot, but he makes himself sick. He's always having to drink the milk of magnesia. Oh, yeah. 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 To right. me, that human side <laughs> that, is what yeah. makes it pulp. That little bit of realism yeah. where you're like, Indiana yeah. Jones wiping the blood off his lip and... You know, spoiler mm-hmm. alert for Temple of Doom, but where he actually gets taken over for a moment <laughs> yeah. there. Right. That humanism, the flaws, man, that does yeah. it for me. Yeah. I think one of my very favorite Indiana Jones moments, and we're, we're going to move on and talk about RPGs here in a second, but I just, I, I, I Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark is one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it yeah. constantly swaps places with Empire Strikes Back as my favorite movie of all time. But that yeah. moment in Raiders where he's fighting the huge bald Nazi guy under the biplane. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And. <laughs> And when the guy's calling him down to fight, Indy's on top of the biplane. And he turns around and he sees this huge guy. And the guy's like, hey, come here, come here. And Indy puts up his hand like, hold on, give me a second. Like, <laughs> I'll be right down to fight you, but I need a minute. That to me is like, I yeah. I just, I adore that moment. That's so perfect. Now, 
Real quick, yeah. before we get into RPGs, for my own personal uh, gain, not for the <laughs> listeners, a lot of what, something that always comes up when people talk pulp is Doc Savage. And I have yeah. no idea who that is. <laughs> oh, buddy, the man of bronze. So just a quick gist. <laughs> can I just, for me personally... For the rest of this podcast, have an idea of who in the world Doc Savage is. Does anyone want to take that? So, uh, so I, I have, I am not an expert on Doc Savage, but I will say that Doc Savage sort of breaks the mold in terms of what we've been talking about with like flawed, mm. realistic characters. Because yeah. Doc Savage is good <laughs> at everything. Oh, okay. Dude yeah. is <laughs> a superhero. Like I don't care how you yeah. how you sell it. Dude is a superhero. Is it the same Doc Savage that is it DC or Marvel? There's a uh, someone I might have picked him bullshit. up like because that was... was where I always got confused. Is I'm like I'm pretty sure that's like a Marvel hero, and I didn't know if it was the same one. You're thinking Axel Brass and Planetary? No, was there's there? a Doc Savage analog. No, there was a Doc Savage hero click, and it was either from DC hmm. or oh, from Marvel. You know what though? No, was it not? Was it indie clicks? I'm pretty sure it was DC or Marvel. Oh. Now we don't have to talk about this now. I'll look it up myself. <laughs> I just always. <laughs> I always wondered because the way Doc Savage Hero Click looked was like just a guy in like a red suit with black hair. And I just thought, who is this guy? Everybody brings him up when they talk pulp. And I have no idea who this person is. He's like, he's like a proto superhero. Like he like yeah. predates exactly like superhero like. comics, superhero but he comics, is but essentially, essentially a superhero. Gotcha. Okay, and yeah. so, okay, let me geek out for just one second. Give me like one minute and I'm going to just tell you something awesome. So there's a really cool thing that happened. So the quick version is the reason why they're called pulps is because they were printed on pulp paper early on and it was cheap to do that. And when World War II happened, so it was pre-World War II that a lot of these things caught on. And it was really interesting because I want to tell you about Lester Dent. Lester Dent was a pulp writer. And there's something about Lester Dent who was like, look, I'm just doing this to get paid. Here's a good way to do it. He has a Lester Dent pulp method. The point to all this is Doc Savage is exactly what you just said, Matt. He is the sort of tipping point where after World War II, right, it was probably the realism of the war. It was probably mm, things yeah. just got real, right? Superheroes like Captain America, those kinds of things started coming in and they, were, they took over the pulps. I don't want to spoil this comic, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, everyone out there, if you want the, to me, a love letter to pulp and the transition from pulp into superheroes. You need to read a comic book series. It's a mini series. It's called Planetary. It is written by Warren Ellis. It is illustrated by the illustrious and very handsome John Cassidy. <laughs> the first issue talks about these worlds, these dimensions colliding. And essentially the book opens up where two worlds are collapsing and both are trying to save their own world, and one has pulp heroes, and one has superheroes, and they fight to the death. Oh, man. And it's an analog, and the whole book is a love letter to this. It's, it's an analog to what happened in real life. Yeah. Right. So hmm. go, if you want to see something amazing, check that out. All right, I'm done geeking out. <laughs> no, that's, that is absolutely why yeah. you're on the podcast right now, Tim, because I knew that you would have insights like that. Dude, love that. That's the only reason. That's it. That's I don't that's care for one. you, and I don't like talking with you. So this and is you know the, what? Really it's not a secret. Reason. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> so going off of that, let's talk pulp in RPGs. Mm. So th th there's 
one, I know there are multiple RPG systems. Uh, mm-hmm. w- like uh, Ubiquity does pulp very well. I know this because yeah. we, we played in an awesome Call of Cthulhu game that Alex ran using Ubiquity. But the system that is like that means pulp to me, that I always think pulp, is Savage Worlds. And I'm not sure how familiar mm-hmm. you guys are with Savage Worlds, but Savage Worlds, I feel, yeah. does pulp heroes better than just about any other system out there. Mm-hmm. Here's where I'm rendered useless. I've heard of Savage Worlds. <laughs> well, here's the interesting thing, and this is what I was excited to talk about. As much as I love Pulp, I've never played in, run, or even read a Pulp RPG. Yeah. You know, another system that is good for Pulp is Fate. I know you guys are yeah. maybe a little bit yeah. more familiar with how Fate works, but um, the basic idea behind Savage Worlds is you have each uh, skill is tied to a one of the dice, one of the polyhedrals so if you're like epically good at something it's like a d12 mm-hmm. and if you're not so good it's like a d4 um but the but the big thing with savage worlds is that you have edges and hindrances which mm-hmm. are they're kind of like feats but there are things that your character can do really well um and then hindrances are things that sort of hold them back which sort of so you end up with these characters that are almost super powered but that have these humanizing aspects to them where they have these hindrances yeah. where it might be might be something like a mental illness or a previous injury or uh, something a phobia or something like that. You know, if you look at a character like Indiana Jones, it's like he has all these edges, but then mm-hmm. he has hindrances too, like he's a little reckless, he's afraid of snakes, you know, things like that. Exactly. I love that. And yeah. uh, my first exposure to playing Pulp in an RPG was playing stuff like Savage Worlds and looking into things like uh, like Weird War and Weird War mm-hmm. Two, which are basically like, you know, World War One and World War Two with kind of some fantastic sort of elements thrown in there where you can play these sort of larger than life heroes fighting in the trenches and stuff like that. Yeah. So how like obviously using a system tailored to it is one way to do it, but what is another way that you can sort of inject pulp or run a pulp game using an RPG? So I think using anything like hero points or um, style points like they have in Ubiquity or anything like that can make a big difference because what you can do is you can give the players a tool to do awesome things when they when they need to do it. If you're talking about just mechanics, right? I mean, you know, as a GM, you can always let people do awesome things and and just hand wave it. But if you're looking for some kind of mechanical uh, feature, then you know having having some sort of points that they that that the player can draw on when they when when the time comes to do something awesome and and uh, the the thing that fate does really well is they can do something awesome but they have to pay for it right, you know yeah. there's going to be a cost oh, yeah, to that yeah, whatever yeah, it happens like to be. whether they pay for it in advance or they pay for it afterwards <laughs> there's going there's going to be a price to pay so you know they that's like you know they have to uh, they have to get into that bar fight with that guy who pushed them you yeah. know, they can't just walk away from it because right. their aspect tells them that, you know, I never walk away from a fight or whatever. I and so, that. you know, now they get they end up getting their ass kicked, but they earn that they earn that fate point that they did that they can then get to use later when they're jumping from a wing of one plane to the wing of another plane. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's and perfect. I, so I think- it, it, that that's that that's where that sort of uh economy of of uh points works yeah and i think that's one thing that fate is like you said matt that that's another good system for pulp because it starts out um that when you make a character it's very important for them to be proactive and at least almost a hero you know they they Mm -hmm. are very specific when you make a fake character like no no no, you're not a nobody 
that's not the point. You are never a nobody. You're somebody that is at least, I think they say, proactive and you know reasonable at, at certain skills. Right. Um, and like you said, in the same way that you know that that economy, I feel like the realism is injected because um, fate is all about using those aspects for good and for ill, even if it's the mm-hmm. same one. And that's yeah. what I love. Yeah. Is it they sum up your character? And sometimes it's really good. Like, listen, oh, I'm I'm gonna you know get away with this because I can't stay away from shiny things. You know, I'm gonna steal this thing and, and get away with it because nobody's looking. But now I have this priceless gem. But in the same respect, you're gonna get caught. You know, in yeah. some other cases. So it's like again that that little bit of realism where there is a a sometimes a downside even in the same yeah. aspect or the same you know concept. Well, and the cool thing with fate is you you can look at almost any pulp character or action character that you can think of and you know if they're famous you you can almost come up with the aspects based on based on what you know of the character you look at indiana jones and you know one of his aspects right off the bat could be you know it's not the age it's the mileage you know right. yeah. or, right, right. <laughs> or whatever you know I'd also, and, and so i don't i don't know fate well enough but i want to stick in there could this work it belongs in a museum absolutely. yeah oh absolutely yeah, absolutely 100%. definitely yeah like definitely. that to me yeah. he'd be like it belongs in a museum yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the best the best aspects in fate are aspects that can be good things and bad things, yeah. which Invoked it belongs in a museum is absolutely a good thing that the player can use mm-hmm. and also a bad thing that the that the GM can leverage. Ooh, I love that. That's right. That's right. That's great. And I'm I'm loving this because when you asked us to do this, Matt, I had this thought. I thought I know a lot because I, I really love pulp and I've never played an RPG, so this is perfect because I thought, why have I never done that? Yeah. Right. And I think the the real answer is to me and I think especially now with 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons out, the tip of the iceberg for a lot of people is fantasy role playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And unless you have someone show you something like fate and explain, you know, how you can do that, it's not a quick leap to make. Right. And so so I love this cuz I'm like, dude, we need to run some fate pulp games like and have yeah. a pulp universe." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's that's yeah. actually a good segue into something I wanted to talk about, Tim, which is how can you take a game like Dungeons & Dragons, which is, like you're saying, you know, this sort of medieval fantasy, you know, very classic RPG, how how can you bring elements of pulp into a game like D&D? And obviously you can do something like Alex is talking about, where you can have things like inspiration that allows them mm-hmm. to muster some great courage and some great skill when they need to, but... It doesn't quite do the job of injecting enough pulp. And so how would you sure. run like a pulp fantasy game? So I'm going to cheat. <laughs> that, that thing that I mentioned before, the Lester Dent pulp method. Mm-hmm. Basically, this guy, he's, he's, he's one of the masters of pulp. And he said, hey, here's how you do it. And if you Google Lester Dent pulp method, it's written out. It's spelled out. The four steps he has are... Basically, come up with a crazy murder method for the villain to use. The second thing is get some kind of MacGuffin for the villain to be looking for. The third thing is exotic locale. And then the fourth yeah. thing is a menace that hangs over the cloud or hangs over the hero like a cloud. Yeah. And as crazy as all that sounds, to me, I think one of the things that you need to make sure you inject when it's pulpy is that it has to be escapist. Yeah. One of the big elements was this was just about escapism. It was about these strange <laughs> tales. And at the time, these these writers were just trying to out-pulp each other to sell books. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Like, they were just like, oh, yeah? Because <clears throat> one of the things about Pulps, the paper was just the nasty, mashed up. But those covers were painted, and they were beautiful. And they oh, man, they were yeah. gorgeous. Buxom women on them. And they were trying to out-pulp <laughs> each other. So, that's right. to me, where I would start is I would go, and I would try to find a mm-hmm. really cool fantasy picture that's, like, larger than life. And then mm-hmm. I would try to be like, okay, here's my pulp cover. Yeah, yeah. What story rests in these pages? And then try yeah. to use some of those methods. I think that's actually a good point is the idea of pulp doesn't have to be complicated. Pulp, I, I can't think of a pulp story that has lots of twists and turns and like makes you think and stuff like that. Like you're saying, right. Tim, it's like it's escapism. It's about <clears throat> a hero in a bad situation most likely going after some sort of MacGuffin or mm-hmm. simple goal, but the MacGuffin is not the point. The point is the hero overcoming obstacles, yeah. and normally there's <clears> some <throat> sort of uh, colorful villain involved. You know, it's yeah. it's the That's the Ark in Rages of the Lost Ark, and Belloc <clears throat> is after the same thing, and he <laughs> exactly. just happens to be, you know, in Indiana Jones's way at yeah. the same time that Indiana Jones is in Belloc's way. Right. Yep. I think a lot of it, too, is how you structure your adventure as well. Like, you know, if when you when you open, you open with you know one of the characters being you know held by the front of his shirt, getting punched by someone. You right. know that, yeah. that it, it, that's how it opens. You know when when it, it, the, that's the first scene in in, in the uh, in the adventure you run. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you, you know you start off you you try to structure it like a pulp story is. You know, you you look you look for those marks that you want to hit. And you try and get it so that it so that it hits those. And like you said, you have the over the top villain, you have the MacGuffin. Uh you gotta have a chase in there somewhere where oh, they're yeah. on wagons, you know, um, you know, fighting to, you know, uh to get the get something from someone else, that kind of thing. Yeah. That yeah. was actually something I was gonna mention is another element of a good pulp story to me is a escalating big action set piece. Like some yeah. sort of big action scene <clears throat> normally there's lots of movement happening and things keep escalating. Like you're saying, Alex, you're in a wagon chase. Now you're on the edge of a cliff on a wagon chase. Now there's like, you know, giant birds coming down while you're in the wagon chase. Like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and sort of, you know, until it climaxes and then you have your falling action. But I think a big action set piece is absolutely necessary for a good pulp story. And I think to broaden that even, you know, you, you definitely need that. But even further, another thing that, and again, I'm not the most well-versed, but my, my sort of example that I'm going to use here is Indiana Jones. The action starts, and it almost never stops. Yeah. And yeah. when it does stop, yeah. it's barely, you know, like in right. um, Temple of the Doom is, is the one I've seen most recently. You know, the action is going, it's going, it's going, and then it slows down when they have dinner. But then, of course, you know, they discover the Temple of Doom, and it's, it gets crazy again. You know, it's just... Yeah, it doesn't stop. Even no. the dinner, yeah. even the dinner is exotic and strange and exactly. puts the hero at odds. There's not a, mm-hmm. a comforting meal. Yeah, it's the crazy. But yeah, to, soup. To, yeah, and the, the chilled monkey brains. <laughs> yeah, man, that's um, so legit. But to go further into sort of how I would do it in a you know running a fantasy pulp game, the other thing I think is very important is exactly what I mentioned earlier: a little bit more realism or a little bit of realism. You know, uh, mm, fantasy yeah. role-playing games, you know, with high magic, it's like, listen, we were in a fight, and it was, like, a little too epic for Pulp, and we have magic, so I'm just going to heal you. I feel like, try, like, sort of nonstop action and something where it's it's hard for the players to just get up and shrug it off. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. A good example of this being, you know, I, I personally feel like, Matt, your Crore games are a bit pulpy. Um, yeah, a little absolutely. less. 
in in like style of like you know the story arcs but even still a little but specifically <laughs> that mm-hmm. the heroes aren't well i wouldn't even call them heroes first of all um and they sort of <laughs> are just barely making it you know like yeah. pulp heroes and i, I yeah. feel like that's a really good pulp or a few pulp yeah. games you know in skating that. by skating by skating by by the skin of your teeth <laughs> like you're because you chose a really strong shirt and the villain has you hanging over the cliff and your shirt's ripping. It's your shirt that's saving you. Like, that's... Exactly. <laughs> it's, it comes down to the yeah. details like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's great. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, there are there's more sort of pulp in D&D than we realize. And as we're mm. talking about it, I'm sort of realizing that, that there's already lots of elements in D&D that is, that is pulp and... The reason why pulp is so hard to define is because pulp is everywhere. If you like yeah. good fantasy, if you like good sci-fi, there's right. elements of pulp there. Yeah. Um, you know, it comes through in the humor and the lightheartedness and the big the big action scenes and these sort of gruff and tough heroes. If you watch a show like Firefly, there's lots of yeah. pulp in Firefly, oh, yeah. you know, even oh, though definitely. it's predominantly a science fiction show. No, definitely. And so I think that's yeah. why people have such a hard time defining pulp and really nailing down what it means to them. Because it's everywhere, and it means something yep. a little different for everybody. And that is yeah. why I think it has persisted so long and why it's so well-loved, is because everybody has their own pulp. Like, yeah. I have my pulp. Yep. Tim, you have your pulp. It's like, true, man. It's just different for It's everybody. almost like saying, pulp is usually good stories. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding, right? And, and they're also, they're also as, as a, I mean, as a player, there's some of the more fun parts to play. Yeah. Yeah, you know exactly. that's because, super true. They're, they're always more entertaining. They're always they always have one liners. They're always um, uh, not too serious. Uh, uh, another one I thought of was uh, Jack Burton in, in Big Trouble in Little China. Oh yeah, and oh and, for sure, know, he's he's a, he's a great one for that. You know, you absolutely, know, it, dude. I thought you I thought reflexes. you were going to say Jack Sparrow, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's oh yeah, <laughs> that would be good too. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> would you say that pirate pulp? Yeah. Dude, totally. And that's that's what I'm saying. There was aviation yeah. pulp, detective pulp, you know, yeah. horror pulp. Yeah. So would you say that like pulp is sort of like pop music where it's like it's like familiar to people and that's part I, of why Let me tell you it's so funny you say that. It's not like pop music. Do you what, know what it's like? What's it like? Okay. <laughs> I was thinking this. You know how everyone says that all music is is influenced by the blues? Yeah. Okay. Pulp is the blues of fiction. Yeah. Right? Because, I would agree with that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Here's why. When this was prevalent, when this was a thing, there was not TV. Yeah. There was not radio. This was That's the right. filter through which everyone's imaginations ran. This was yeah. it. If you look at the other books that were around, you're either reading like uh, emerging medical theory. <laughs> 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 or... We can, I mean... The spider or the shadow, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. In 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 the in the eighteen hundreds, this is where most people on on like the East Coast learned about the Old West. You know, this was this is where exactly. they got their uh, uh, their idea of what the Old West was like. It's true. So it, I think I think it yeah. It dime runs store through, novels exactly, and it runs through everywhere. So that's what I think. Yeah. That's why I think it's yeah. so dominant. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and <laughs> I it was funny because we were talking about doing this podcast a while ago. And uh, Barker was like, "So what? What is pulp? Like, tell, like, explain to me what pulp is." And I had a hard time explaining to him. And I ended up just saying, "Like, 
Pulp is just rad, man. Like, it's just cool. Like, <laughs> it's the cool ones. Yeah. Like, if you have ever watched or read something that was just really cool, it was probably pretty pulpy. It's yeah. true, dude. <laughs> pulp is rad. Pulp, pulp is, is rad. rad. Exactly. Huh. I, I can see almost like a formula on a on a chalkboard as you're, as you're teaching <laughs> Pulp 101. Pulp, pulp equals, equals rad, rad squared. <laughs> and then, squared. And then someone someone crossed out the A and put, like, you know, the role R U ampersand D. Right, right. <laughs> Pulp is ruined. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, let's let's take a question from our viewers here before we jump into an idea that they can steal. Yeah. Uh, the uh, we look at the questions on facebook.com slash roll up and die. Uh, we ask a question there every week before we record our podcast. Um, we ask for a call for questions and then we answer the one with the most likes. The one with the most likes this week is from Jacob Norman. He runs an awesome channel by the name of Mini Terrain Domain, and he's a regular contributor to the questions from the viewers. His question for us tonight is, a lot of traditional pulp stories feature a single hero. How do you keep an authentic pulp Ooh. feel while giving all characters in a party equal spotlight? I think that is an awesome question. Ooh, that, that is oh, a really yeah. good question. Yeah, that's Because great. I was hmm. considering something similar, and I do feel like that is a little bit... Uh, uh, maybe one of the stumbling blocks of running a any game, whether it's Savage Worlds or Fate or <laughs> Fifth Edition D anD D, that's very pulpy. Is you know, like you said, there's or like he said, there's usually a hero. So yeah, it's I don't know. Anybody I don't know if you take something on? like um, like the Mummy, like obviously there are there's one main character. There's Rick, right, in the Mummy yeah. series. Brendan right. Fraser's character, I but then you know also what have his name was. Um, nobody did. Rick, what? I'm what? sorry. He goes. I, he said, "I didn't know what his name was," and I said, "Nobody did, sweetie." I just watched <laughs> that movie recently, and I'm like, "His name was Rick." I don't even think he had a name in yeah. the script. It said Brendan <laughs> Fraser's guy. But there is also the uh, the guy who was like the the desert guardian of the mummy. Yeah, sure. yeah. no, actually. he joins the party and he's super awesome. And he 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 takes the the gun off the plane and carries it around the rest of the movie, and that's <laughs> super awesome. Like the, the lady. I think there are there are examples of a party of heroes no, in, yeah. in good pulp. That is a good example because there's also the the yeah. woman who I'm sure also had a name that was like Rick. And yeah. uh, um, maybe <laughs> that's good pulp. You're like, I don't know what their names are, but I remember I've seen that. Everyone movie in the mummy yeah. was named Rick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. mummy. I'm in Rick. That's the thing, and she was even you know she was the one that was translating stuff and had the book and yeah. all of that. And then there was uh, the last guy, uh, their buddy, her brother, her brother, her yeah. Brother. Oh, and who, um, who's know, that little Weasley guy? What's his name? Oh, yeah. oh Benny. Here's Benny. You remember Benny. Benny's name because Brendan Fraser's guy says it a lot. <laughs> Yeah. yeah Benny, like, Benny! Get the plane, Benny! 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 <laughs> and he says, Dr. Rick! Dr. Rick! <laughs> but my yeah. fa- I, This is a super aside, but my favorite part of The Mummy is when, after they get off the burning boat, and Benny goes, Hey, O'Connor, looks like I have all the horses! And then yeah. Brendan Fraser says, That's Hey, me. Benny, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river! And he's just... <laughs> Benny is like, so like, Oh, he burned me so bad. Oh, man, mind. he's right! He's just like, ah... <laughs> Sick bird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a good, a good way to do it uh, to run um, uh, run a game with many uh, lead characters, I guess, is to make sure that they each get their own uh, their own scenes. Yeah. You know, in other words, you know, have ha- have things that they can do that that just focus on them. Every you know, totally and, and and 
you know, so they each have their moment. And then, and then as things sort of come to a climax, you have to be able to jump between them, you know, in, in the final fight. So in other words, you know, now we're, now we're going over to here, now we're going over to here, now we're going over to here. And, and, and so they each get that sort of dramatic, those dramatic moments, or at least the opportunity to. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking that same thing, Alex, I was thinking to make it pulp, you can't just have the party run into a lock. You have to have the party run into a lock that is the hardest lock to crack in the world Mm -hmm. and make a timer on it. And the rogue is sweating and somehow overcomes it against all odds. Oh, I was going to say, the rogue is sweating and there's a boulder on the way and someone else shows up. And then in the next scene, it's something that only the paladin can do. Like this specific undead thing that it has to face. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah, well, and then you can have things like, I think James is hinting at where it's like, have multiple things happening at one time. You know, we were talking about escalating, you know, these big action sex pieces. Sex pieces. (laughs) These escalating sex pieces. Hey, you know what else pulp is? Pulp is sexy, okay? It's gotta be sexy. (laughs) It's gotta be Um, sexy. No, but a a big action set piece like this, you have... You're in a car and you're driving and you have the guy who's really good at driving at the wheel and the guy mm-hmm. who's really good at shooting, he's in the back seat with a rifle and the guy who's really good at, at, at beating people's asses, he's knocking people off the car when they try to yeah. jump on. Yep. And there's a yeah. there's the scholar in the back seat who's frantically trying to translate something while all of this is the, happening. Yeah. You know, right. That's the incantation so that the dark god doesn't rise in the river yeah. next to them. And, and exactly. I, I feel like you... Like it's not that difficult as a GM. Like if you're like, well, how do I get my players to to play it pulpy? And you're like, listen, you throw mm-hmm. them a set piece or like you know a chase scene like that or something, and they'll handle it. But it's oh, up yeah, to yeah. it is on you to make sure that it's not just all right, guys. There's a lock, so everybody you know stop paying attention yeah. while the rogue <laughs> you're in a featureless ten by ten room. There's a single door. It right. has a lock on it, dude. Right? Well, don't, right. Be, don't be afraid to throw them into where it's like. Yeah. You know, the fighter has to hold the wall up while the rogue yeah. is doing it. They kind of need to skate by. Like, they yeah. can't make it. They can't. And if they do make it, um, there has to be something else, like, right after. Yes. You know, yeah. like, Well, and as a GM, you can throw the spot, you know, it, you can you, you can throw the spot on people yeah, when yeah. when need be. Totally. So, let's, again, let's say they're in a in some sort of trapped room, like uh, like in uh, uh, Temple of Doom. And and you know the roof is coming down, and and one of them is trying to jam a skull into the into the roller so that you know the roof stops coming down, and someone else is trying to figure out how to get out, and that someone is just standing, and, and you notice that someone is just kind of standing back, you know, not you know with not much to do, and they're, they're just kind of like fumbling, throw something else in. Now, well, exactly. oh look, the, this this this, <laughs> this big snake is coming in through the sidewall here now. That's the thing. <laughs> or that last guy is the one that says, "We are going to, to die." die. <laughs> <laughs> I just love when he says that because it shows oh him a little. Old. His face, oh, his face is so awesome in that scene. That's I it, man. It. And the spike is coming down on his yeah. feet, dude. Oh, it's perfect. God. Now, That's before pulp. before we go to the the idea that they can steal, I want to mention one more thing. Now, I had something mm-hmm. too. So, okay, well, then we're gonna <laughs> make this an hour and a half podcast because we're tabletop terraces on that. Goes. We already planned that. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> built it in. He goes, uh, no duh. So, uh, no doiky guys. So, the thing that I love about RPGs is character development. The mm. thing that I love about Pulp is the absence of character development. <laughs> yeah. um, Indiana Jones is the same guy in the beginning yeah. and the middle and the end of all of these films, and that's what I love. Yeah. And in the same way, Pulp 
especially if I'm running a pulp adventure, I would probably tell my characters, well, my players, hey guys, this is going to be kind of pulpy, and I it wouldn't be about these like solid role play moments. It exactly. would be about, you know. Tim being Tim being Tim in the situation. <clears throat> Indy being yeah. Indy. Yeah. Not necessarily those moments where he's wrestling yeah. with his inner self and growing as a character and finding right. out who his right. father was. It's like he knows who his father is. He runs into him, and then they argue while the room's on fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that. that's another tip is don't expect this to be the, the role play. Because, listen, I love social encounters. Yeah. But when was the last time you were eating at a Denny's and you're like, so listen, I really, really tricked this magistrate. So like, you know what I mean? It's not it's not as fun as like, dude, I disarmed this trap while I was exploding yeah. in my face. And mine ties right into that, which is there is a level of um I can't think of the word, but uh franticness, what is it? Like uh, uh pressure sort of yeah. that has to constantly be on them that is a little bit uh, it's not conducive to uh slow role playing moments or yeah. uh like certain character development and, and things like that. It, there has to be even as a GM and as players, not so much as characters, kind of like, okay, what are you doing? This is happening. And like that that pressure yeah. to, no, you have to make a decision. It's, <clears throat> it's not about, well, what's the best tactical decision? It's like, no, you're going to get crushed to death by a boulder. Right. What do you do? Right, react. Exactly. And I feel the, like that too. And I, I think that you can have sessions or moments of yes. pulp in an otherwise not very pulpy campaign. Yeah. Because I'm sitting here thinking about what we're talking about, and I'm thinking about the provokers, and there's this session of the provokers where they get in a fight in an elevator, elevator that's falling. Baby. Elevator, and I knew you were going to say that. That is the pulpiest <laughs> session I've ever run because it was literally nonstop, barely scraping by crazy action set pieces until the very mm-hmm. end of the session because they teleport away from the the crash site of this elevator that they barely oh, man. managed to get out of. And they end up teleporting into the bottom of a well, and there's an Adiug down there and a Dragonborn who's breathing lightning down into the well in the water. That's like, here we go again. Like, are you serious? We just exactly. got out of an elevator totally. that was falling, and now we're at the bottom of a well, and there's a monster in the water. And, and would yep. you agree, Matt, that that is one of, if not the most referenced scenes in the entire campaign? That yeah. is the thing mm-hmm. that people bring up more than anything else is that <laughs> session in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was so fun but also at the end of it we were all so mentally exhausted because it was just non-stop exactly just action yeah um yeah no absolutely so the the the, the takeaway here is even if you're not running a pulp campaign bring elements of pulp into your game because it makes for really really fun sessions and fun action scenes and things like that exactly so for the idea we can steal i have a i have an awesome idea here's what i think we should do there are it. four of us. Tim, you mentioned the four like pillars of pulp, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we should each come up with a different thing for a pulp adventure. I love it. Awesome. So what were the what were the things again, Tim? So the first thing is the villain has to have a different kind of murder method. So it could be something like poison needles, scorpions, like whatever you're yeah. thinking, but it has to have that crazy flair. You know, <clears throat> yeah, like, not right. a knife to the heart. You're like, nah. right, not like he was stabbed. It's like, it's supposed to be interesting and the, the right. hero's supposed to yeah. come upon that scene and be like, what in the world happened? <laughs> <laughs> you put on pulp voice. And then what was the second one? Second one is a different thing for the villain to be seeking. So this is just the good old-fashioned MacGuffin, right? The MacGuffin, right. Yep. Okay. 
And then the third thing. Uh, it's a unique locale. So something that would kind of lend itself to you know, this murder method or perhaps the MacGuffin itself or something like that. Yeah, And, and then in the some fourth cases, one was like the thing that is haunting the hero, right? Yeah, that's hanging over yeah, their a head. a cloud. Just that dark cloud. Like whatever that could be, it's usually like... And I got the chief telling me that the, you know, the commissioners, you know, it's like it's that right. thing outside. <laughs> the being done my back. Yeah. Right. As soon okay. as you have a handle on the adventure, that thing rains on you and it's like, ah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So I'm going to go, I got a D4 here. I'm going to, we're going to go down the line of these four sort of pillars of pulp and we're each going to come up with one thing. Uh, so one is me, two is Alex, three is Tim, and four is James. That is a one. So that's me. Yeah. So I come up with the villain method, murder method. So I'm going to say that hmm, the villain is, I really, I always really like when the hero is kind of physical and martial and the villain is very like brainy. Sure. So we're going to go with a very like (laughs) cerebral villain, maybe even potentially someone who's capable of some sort of magic this villain literally cooks people's brains inside of their heads. Oh, oh I love it. Like, you find somebody, and they look relatively unharmed, but then you notice there's, like, blood coming out of their ears. You're like, what the hell? That's and their brain is just liquefied inside of their skull. And so somehow this villain <clears throat> uses magic or some sort of, like, ancient technology or something. He's cooking and scrambling people's brains without even like opening up their skull essentially yeah and real quick i want to say that it's in uh you know again it's difficult really to sort of put into words but that's a good example of a uh, pulp way to kill someone but i think a bad example would be flaying someone alive yeah that's like like, a little too dark for a little too and it's like there's a sort of a, a very wide margin of pulp but it's easy to go over the line one way or the other absolutely i agree totally all right so the next thing is going to be the MacGuffin. who's going to come up with the MacGuffin? it's going to be alex you're coming up with the MacGuffin. awesome okay so i'm going to say that the MacGuffin is a uh uh, let's do something something really really different it's a mirror um uh it's it's this uh it's a silver uh uh silver uh mirror with a very ornate frame around it and it's it's one of those kinds that kind of like stands on the floor so it's got the uh, uh so it can be kind of tilted a bit and oh, yeah. um it's uh got you know beautiful brass and gold and it's just very intricate and at the, and at the top is this eye with a with a stone embedded in, in where the uh, the pupil would be very cool. All right. The next thing is the exotic locale. And that will be James. That's James coming up with awesome. the exotic locale. So I hate to say this, and in the same respect to sort of uh, enjoy saying it, I got the easy one. Um, <laughs> because, well, And I want to make that clear. Um, now, maybe I'll go a little further and try and come up with a set piece in the said locale to, to push it a little bit, even though it goes outside. Because it's easy to say... Uh, you know, sort of a, a, a Nepalese-style tribe slash village where you've got, you know, very sort of vertical heights. People that are used to it, but sort of a, a cold, harsh environment, um, but also still one, you know, that is – they have their own very interesting culture. 
And it's very easy to have a pulp adventure there. All you need are people that are unlike the hero. I mean, basically. And Mm -hmm. sort of a a cool maybe city center. Um, But what a place like that allows for is maybe like a a crazy zip lining set piece. Where they Mm -hmm. they have, you know, like a system of of pulleys (laughs) that that gets, you know, stuff. Usually supplies from sort of one place to another. yeah, big, like, thick woven basket kind of things. Yeah, exactly. And it's like there's sort of a system of them. And you're just like your your players are are jumping in them and riding them. And, you know, of course, it's pulp. So the villain or like one of the the lackeys, the bad guys is in it next to them. And they're either firing guns or magic spells at them. And, of course... It escalates the, you know, it, it is not made to carry people. So these ropes that you're going back and forth on and around to different places begin to fall apart. And yes. even some of like the walkways, nice. the wooden walkways built onto the mountains are falling apart. And you're like, just throw that at your players and they'll make it cool. Man, oh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Dude, you murdered that. That was so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that means, Tim, you're in charge of the dark cloud. So I love the idea of a foil not necessarily a villain but this dark cloud is a foil and i'm thinking that i like someone who's driven by duty and competent like a constable-esque kind of person but with a jurisdiction Mm -hmm. like i imagine something interesting like they are the uh master of the estate so it's like an estate sale perhaps this mirror comes from this very wealthy wizard who died and there's something like their job is to proctor the estate sale. Well, this mirror has been stolen. And this is the guy they hire to retrieve uh, these uh, kinds of nice. objects um, so that the estate sale can happen and everything. So he's driven by duty and he's always looking at this like, you know, what would be the equivalent of like a medieval pocket watch kind of. Like he's – the estate sales in two days. Yeah. And he's never missed a mark. He's never missed and a deadline. he's not concerned that it's evil or that there might be something wrong with it. But like you said, he's, he's uh, you know, compelled by duty and knows that all his job is is to get it back. It belongs in an estate sale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like he doesn't care about you yeah. or whoever else this other Dude, person yes. you're telling him is You about. know who he is? Who? He's Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly who he right. is. And that's, that's the dark cloud. Every time the hero awesome. gets a leg up on the villain, every time something like that, the dark cloud appears. And he's like, I got to take that mirror back. Exactly. He's in their way for that reason. Yep. And I I love that too because for the most part, this is going to serve as an antagonist, but he's also not an evil person. So there's options there for the party to team up with him, you know, and negotiate with him and eventually, you know, have to work with him to try and get this thing back and defeat the villain. So I really like that idea. And it's it's sort of a little, um, a little more on the side of duty. Uh, but the guy from the mummy, the you know the the ancient warrior guy from the mummy, mm, is that yes. one where he's like, yeah, oh, you definitely. can't, and then he's like, okay, I'll join you. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right, right, right. At, one, at one point, he's riding through the camp, setting the tents on fire. Exactly. Yeah, so, dude. Exactly. Yep. A little more of that in this case, but still, yeah. it's that yeah. very same thing. It's like I love seeing the examples in stuff that I've seen. It, it sort of helps me wrap my head around the the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I love that. Well, I was going to say, do you want, do you want me to, uh, maybe we should flesh out what the, what the mirror does if we're going to. I was going to ask about that. I, I, <laughs> I think that. we should you decide what sort of adventure power quick, this you got to be. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I was thinking that it might be a way to open like a portal, but it, it can only open uh, like a portal where 
the mirror is. So that, that that's why it was stolen. They have to take it to a specific place so that they can open that's this. A good one. Uh, they have to open it at a certain location. It can't just be anywhere. So in other words, if I if if you look through, if you activate the mirror here, it will show a portal into this other world Dude, yes. where you are. Right. But you have to take it to a, a very specific location. And here's yeah. why. Because it's not that the mirror becomes a portal. It's that it has these properties. It has to catch a very specific reflection. Right. Ooh, so yeah. you have to bring it to a place. And it can open multiple <clears throat> portals depending on what you point it at. Because yeah. it's catching the reflection and showing you the true. So it's not just like, hey, wherever you take this. it. It's like, no, <laughs> I need to go to this crazy place in Nepal and shine it on this thing that comes up once, you know, this... Yeah, yeah. Because it's only going to be here once every 50 years. And that that actually lends more to Pulp because the other thing... Yeah. And Indiana Jones is especially the best at this. They travel all over. It's not just one exotic locale. It's like, oh, okay, yep. so, you know, the estate sale is in Germany, you know, in like rural Germany. And we're driving through these crazy little roads, you know, these one-lane roads and yeah, right-hand drive cars. Have a, you gotta have a dotty line map. With ghosted travel under it. Like, exactly. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. I feel like that lends to it because, well, stealing the mirror is one locale and then they bring it somewhere to use it and then they get through and now they're in a, a, an exotic and possibly supernatural, but just a little bit because it's pulp yeah, locale. Man. It's got to right. be that's I all over that map. That's awesome. I love that. Very cool. All right, guys. Well, I think that about does it for this episode of Roll Up and Die. Uh, I'm going to let Tim and James have a few seconds here to uh, give their sign-offs and also plug anything they want to plug. So, Tim and James, thank you again for joining us. This has been an awesome conversation talking about Pulp. Uh, We'll have to have you back again soon. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, hold on. We're going to run this game right now, right? (laughs) You guys got new characters? Like Fate or Savage Worlds, because one of us is going to have to teach the other something. Yeah, and you're going to have to send me a photo of every page of the book. I don't own any of that. Um, I'm Tim with Tabletop Terrors. Uh, We are about fun-loving RPG inspiration for players of all experience levels. Um, It's actually pretty cool that we're on Roll Up and Die because it's our favorite podcast. And the thing that we're rolling out that we've never really officially done in this capacity is James and I are coming out with a podcast. Um, And this podcast is specifically geared toward creativity and how it relates to tabletop RPGs. The podcast is called Destroy Artifact. And I don't mean it's about like how to be more creative. It's literally a life preserver for anyone who's just, hey, I'm stuck. Or... This, and James and I, in the first episode, we just talked through, like, hey, here's what I'm going through. This is what I'm stuck on. Let's talk it out. Mm-hmm. Why am I stuck? So it's an inside view of how some tabletop RPG supplements are written, how sessions are planned. And it's v- just really transparent and down to earth. And yeah. so, yeah, that's what we're... And I, I would say it's awesome. like 60-40 creativity in RPGs. We definitely talk about RPGs, but I feel like it's important to stress that a lot of it is creativity. It's usually going to have that RPG mm. flavor because that's sort of our channel, obviously. But um, the idea is, I feel you know, we just talk straight about creativity, and in some cases, not being creative, right? And the and the the down the pitfall. So you can check that out on Podbean uh, at the same time that this episode is posted. By that time, our first episode of Destroy Artifact by Tabletop Terrors will be live. 
Awesome. Uh, that sounds awesome. great. Man. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, yeah. guys. Um, so I am uh, James, also from Tabletop Terrors, and um, I am, I think, going to, because that's really the only thing we have going on, but I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and use this time to plug something else. Do it, baby. That sort of a do lot it. of us do are it. doing. Right yeah. now, we're doing a thing called Absolute Creativity um, for the publishing company that uh, three of the four of us are a part of, Absolute Tabletop. And uh, basically, if you go to our Facebook page, you will find it, uh, write 200 words, sign up for an account on our website, and we'll give you a free PDF of your choice. Uh, whichever one you want, you just pick it, let us know, in about a week you'll get it in your downloads, and that's that. Um, we feel like it's interesting to allow people to pay in something other than money because the cool thing is we've had a lot of people saying, hey, I think the free PDF is really cool, but it was also fun to write for a prompt. Um, mm. So definitely check that out uh, because I don't have anything else to plug, so that's what you get. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's oh, been awesome. great. I, I I've really been enjoying reading the prompts or the the mm-hmm. two hundred words that people have been submitting. And man, some people have been going above and beyond and writing well over two hundred words. And it's been awesome to to see that happening. And response has been really positive. So I think it's something that we'll probably do more of in the future. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, guys. Um, This has been great. Again, I am Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And we're missing our Barker tonight, but he will be back uh, for the next episode, I'm sure, unless he's still throwing up, in which case he should probably go to the hospital. (laughs) He's been throwing up for over a week. (laughs) I will leave you with these words. This podcast belongs in a museum. (laughs) (laughs) This has been the best. Oh, yeah. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other super awesome properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing sucks. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker is at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive RPG via Critical Hit Publishing. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die RPG podcast. Look for other releases of the show on Facebook.com slash RollUpAndDie, iTunes, and RollUpAndDie.Podbean.com. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming. <laughs>